Welcome to Cut the Noise this week for December 4th, 2017. I'm Curtis Lindemann. Our stories this week include... New leaks expose the NSA's red disk and ragtime programs, including evidence of spying on U.S. citizens. A new Microsoft Office bug is being used to create backdoors on PCs. Apple's security hole in High Sierra opens up super user access. Amazon announced the launch of bare metal computing instances at its conference last week. A controversial study claims smartphone addiction alters the brains of teens. And Lockheed is working on laser cannons for its fighter jets. Let's get started. In two articles posted by ZDNet last week, two highly classified NSA programs were exposed to the public after a virtual hard disk image was left unprotected on an Amazon server. One program named Red Disk is a program run under the U.S. Army Intelligence's Security Command, also known as INSCOM, which is a division of both the Army and the NSA. Red Disk was envisioned as a highly customizable cloud system that could meet the demands of large, complex military operations. The hope was to provide a consistent picture from the Pentagon to deployed soldiers in the battlefield that included satellite images and video feeds from drones on terrorists and enemy fighters. Unfortunately, the system turned out to be slow, crash-prone, and difficult to use. One memo from 2014 by soldiers in one deployed brigade said that the system was a major hindrance to operations, as reported by the Associated Press. The system could draw in vast amounts of intelligence documents, videos, and audio from several sources, some fed directly from the NSA. The second program, named Ragtime, collects the contents of communications such as emails and text messages under the authority of U.S. surveillance laws. Prior to this exposure, there were three known versions, all of which were targeted at gathering intelligence on foreign targets, including terrorists, nuclear states, and foreign governments. In the latest document shown to ZDNet and dated November 2011, there were at least 11 versions of Ragtime, including one called Ragtime USP, which stands for U.S. person, such as a U.S. citizen or lawful U.S. resident. Americans are generally protected from government surveillance under the Fourth Amendment, which protects the people from unlawful search and seizure. Only a small fraction of NSA staffers have the appropriate security clearance to access Ragtime's databases. The data stored in Ragtime's databases are so sensitive that their very existence is compartmentalized. As an added bonus, aside from the information on Red Disk and Ragtime, the disk image also contained other sensitive files, including private keys used for the system to access to other servers on the intelligence community's network. News of these leaks comes just weeks after Congress has to pass reforms or a reauthorization of the U.S. government's surveillance laws. Warning. Virus infection. Alert. Warning. TheHackerNews.com last week posted an article about a recently disclosed vulnerability in the Microsoft Office suite that lets hackers install malware on targeted computers without user interaction. It's being delivered through spam emails disguised as notification from the target's credit card company with an attachment that includes a malicious RTF file. The email also contains a password-protected archive with login credentials to unlock it in order to trick victims into believing that the email came from a legitimate financial service. Security researchers at Fortinet first spotted the malware and dubbed it Cobalt because it uses a component from a penetration testing tool called Cobalt Strike. Cobalt Strike was developed as a tool to create a covert presence in the target environment once it's been exploited. It also has tools to allow it to change what it looks like each time it's used to prevent detection. The vulnerability that the newly identified malware utilizes to get into a system 
is a memory corruption issue that allows unauthenticated remote hackers to execute malicious code on a target system. The vulnerability impacts all versions of the Microsoft Office and Windows operating systems. Microsoft has already released a patch update, the link for which is provided in the notes for this podcast. Apple had a vulnerability exposed last week when security researchers identified a serious security flaw in the latest version of its operating system, also known as High Sierra. The exploit identified on Tuesday, November 28th is a way for attackers to gain super user, also known as root access, to any Mac running High Sierra. The steps to execute the exploit as well as a temporary fix were posted by security researchers the same day. Fortunately, Apple responded quickly and had a patch released within 18 hours of the initial report. Unfortunately, the patch had a serious glitch of its own. When users who had not yet upgraded their operating system from High Sierra 10.13.0 to 10.13.1, but had downloaded the patch, the root bug reappeared if they didn't reboot their Mac after the upgrade. Apple has added a warning to its security update page as of this morning, Monday, December 4th. It states, if you recently upgraded from macOS High Sierra 10.13 to 10.13.1, reboot your Mac to be sure that the security update is applied properly. The moral of the story is, if you have a Mac and you're running High Sierra, make sure you get upgraded to 10.13.1 and reboot after the upgrade. Amazon Web Services is moving into the bare metal hosting market with the release of a new cloud computing instance called the i3 Metal instance. This new instance will provide customers with a server running in an AWS data center. It's intended for applications that require a ton of raw power or require a physical server. This new instance provides two Intel Xeon E5 2686v4 Broadwell processors running at 2.3 GHz, a total of 36 hyper-threaded cores, plus 512 gigs of RAM and 15.2 terabytes of SSD-based NVMe local storage. Each instance will have access to a high-speed networking link with up to 25 gigabits of bandwidth. AWS says its bare metal servers will be able to access all of the features available to virtualized instances, including its Elastic Compute Cloud, Elastic Load Balancing, Auto Scaling, CloudWatch, and Auto Recovery. Amazon announced that the service was available for public preview during its Invent conference last week. An article posted on Inverse.com last week stated that a controversial study claims smartphone addiction alters the brains of teens. It's an open secret that Silicon Valley exploits our tendency to seek the neurological rewards delivered by the likes, comments, and mentions that pop up on our internet-connected devices. In a new paper presented last Thursday at the annual meeting of the Radiological Society of North America, a team of radiologists at Korea University reported that smartphone addiction changes teenagers' brains. By using brain imaging, they argue that smartphones and internet-addicted teenagers showed imbalanced brain chemistry when compared to their peers who aren't addicted to smartphones on the internet. However, some experts argue that the desire to engage with technology and what even could be seen as compulsive use is not the same thing as addiction. Clinical psychologist Anthony Bean told Inverse that smartphone addiction is not a recognized mental health problem and that there is no standardized format for determining addiction for phones. He went on to say that if there's not a standard or accepted view of it, it's really hard to say one is measuring addiction. 
The study included nine boys and 10 girls, and they used brain imaging to identify particular brain chemicals to examine the participants' brains before and after taking nine weeks of cognitive behavioral therapy to help with what scientists called their addiction. Typical symptoms reported by smartphone addict teens included depression, anxiety, insomnia, and impulsivity. While the study indicated there is some evidence to support the claim that smartphone addiction, whatever it is, changes the brain, its results are far from conclusive. Chris Ferguson, a psychology professor at Stetson University, said that the findings look pretty marginal and that the study was too small to draw definitive conclusions with a sample size of only 19. With that sample size, it's hard to correlate a statistical significance, and in recent years, scientists have even seen high levels of false positive results in studies with such a small sample size. Ultimately, the biggest problem with the study is that the condition of addiction is arbitrarily defined. This is very similar to the issue psychologists have been struggling with involving video game addiction, in which the World Health Organization and American Psychiatric Organization want to recognize as a pathology while others, like Bean and Ferguson, disagree. While the headlines sound catchy, they can be misleading. Many parents might send the article to their teens saying, I told you so, but the evidence doesn't hold up at this point, at least according to many psychologists. And now a fun one. Wired Magazine published an article last week entitled, Lockheed Martin Fighter Jets are getting the laser cannons they've always deserved. It's only been a few months since Lockheed gave the US Army the most powerful laser weapon ever developed. It's a ground-based vehicle-mounted system that can burn through tanks and knock mortars out of the sky. Now the US Air Force wants its own toys, so Lockheed's engineers are back in the lab working on laser blasters for jet fighters to swat down incoming missiles. This spring, defense contractor Raytheon became the first to destroy a target with a laser beam fired from a helicopter. Raytheon is also developing a laser-firing, drone-killing dune buggy. And Boeing has its own anti-drone laser cannon. There have been many false starts with laser-based weapon technology, but the enabler for this wave of success has been a shift from chemical-based to electricity-based solid-state lasers. The last attempt at an airborne laser weapon was the failed 747-based chemical laser designed to shoot down ICBMs, but was deemed too costly and unwieldy to manage. Now it's Lockheed's turn to give it a try. To put it into context, Lockheed's Rob Afzal says, We're putting a weapon traveling at the speed of light onto an aircraft capable of traveling the speed of sound while targeting threats that are also traveling at supersonic speeds, and it has to work regardless of turbulence or weather conditions. If Lockheed can deliver a system that's lighter and cheaper than the existing missile and machine gun systems, it can change the game on how aircraft are deployed. If you're packing a missile-killing laser, you can go places and do things that now demand the sort of extremely expensive stealth technology that the F-22 Raptor and F-35 Lightning have. The ability of a helicopter or bomber or fighter jet to shoot down or damage an incoming missile could allow them to operate in places where they haven't been able to in recent history. This could allow non-stealthy planes that previously couldn't defend themselves new potential lives in future combat scenarios. Even if stealth aircraft still have the same element of surprise due to being largely undetectable with current technology, the Chinese are working on a new type of system called quantum radar that can spot even the stealthiest of aircraft. So having a laser weapon to swat away incoming missiles is another advantage to think about. An advantage at least until somebody else develops the laser weapons of their own. Then it's on to the next technology. What's next, the Death Star? And now to follow up on a few articles from last week. 
Regarding the article about the Intel chip security flaw, it appears there are now nearly 20 manufacturers with support links on the Intel security article, the link for which can be found in the notes for this podcast. Apple is conspicuously absent from the list, and while its computers were not vulnerable to a similar attack found back in May, it's unclear if Apple's equipment is exposed to this new exploit. Apple remains quiet at the time of publication. Intel's also published a detection tool, the link for which is included in the notes for this podcast, that supports Windows Server 2016 and 2012, Windows 10, 8.1, and 7, as well as Linux. Following up on the FCC's net neutrality repeal article from last week, since the announcement of the FCC's schedule vote to repeal net neutrality on December 14th, it's been speculated that a significant number of posts in favor of the action were posted fraudulently or misrepresented. The New York Attorney General's office has been investigating this alleged activity and has posted a website that will allow you to search the FCC site to determine if your name was used to falsely post in support of the SEC's pending repeal of net neutrality. The link for that website is included in the notes for this podcast. We've received a great deal of feedback from our growing listener base over the last few weeks, and we greatly appreciate it. Please keep the feedback coming by visiting CutTheNoise.info and posting your thoughts. Cut the Noise was recorded at Round Tower Global Headquarters in Kenwood Tower, Cincinnati, Ohio. Audio mixed and edited by Vince Lombardo. And I'm Curtis Lindemann. This has been Cut the Noise Weekly Edition.